Welcome to the show. Today we have Brett Smith. Uh, Brett is the uh, managing director of strategy at agency VML YNR, working on the Wendy's business. And today we're going to talk about not only the Wendy's brand, but also a lot of the great social media work that they've been doing, a lot of social initiatives that have gotten a lot of success or have earned a lot of success, and a lot of notoriety. Uh, in particular, their Fortnite integration, which um, won the Cannes Grand Prix in 2019. Uh, a great uh, a great campaign, which we'll hear a lot about. And, and the initiatives are not only successful from a numbers point of view, but also I think they do a, a really interesting and unique job of making sure that the product and the product benefits are central to the social initiatives. And, and I think the way that they look at some of the some of the initiatives and the way Brett talks about them, they're very distinctive in terms of them being smart and uh, on strategy, as, as you'll hear about them. Uh, Wendy's, of course, is a, a smaller player compared to a McDonald's here in the United States, where McDonald's might have 14,000 uh, restaurants. Uh, Wendy's has closer to 7,000 restaurants. So they're a smaller player, uh, but they're national. And their distinction has been built uh, over the last number of years, has been built around this idea of fresh versus frozen patties. And they've been able to really play with that well and build distinction around that. And in their opinion, they've sort of built this idea of being a restaurant with a quality of food that's a step above the others in the fast food category. Uh, you'll hear me refer to, and you'll hear Brett refer to QSR in here. Of course, QSR, for those who don't know, is a, is a quick serve restaurant uh, as opposed uh, to other styles of restaurants that are out there. So enjoy the episode. This is Brett Smith talking about Wendy's. So welcome, Brett. Good to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, carving out some time for us today. Yeah, thank you, Fergus. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. And today, of course, we're talking about Wendy's. And I just watched before we got started, I watched a couple of spots that, that are from your new Wendy's breakfast campaign. And I have to give you some shit because you guys stole the uh, soundtrack to my favorite television show uh, called Chef's Table. Oh, <laughs> which is kind of nice. when I watch it, I was like, "What is this?" Uh, if you, if it's actually not, a, it's not, a, it's not a broadcast show. It's a, it's a Netflix show, right. and it's just about the the. Uh, it's it's completely about the artistic experience of some of the best chefs in the world, and it has this beautiful music that's so emotive that uh, that I can't help but listen to it every time it plays you know many many times we skip intro music and intros nowadays but i i always want to indulge in that and then of course you stole it my man yeah. for your uh, new campaign <laughs> yeah we we love it i hope uh sales are doing well for breakfast and we hope everybody else likes it too yeah yeah just don't steal any more beautiful tracks like that it's just that's <laughs> uh, quite sinful i might no, even play it i might even play it right here just for fun So great to have you here. Um, you um, have been working on the Wendy's business um, with VML YNR since the pitch, right? Which was, you were telling me earlier, was uh, around eight, eight or so years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I was on the, on the very first uh, team that got the RFP. We, were, we actually just pitched. Um, they were looking for a digital agency of record at the time. So we were hired as digital agency of record. Um, and then about three years in, I uh, took over everything and became agency of record for uh, everything after that. And you guys are North America or U.S. or, or what? Uh, well, VML YNR, 
obviously after the after, certainly after the merger has become global, but um, we just handle for Wendy's the uh, well, we handle the North American now, and they're expanding into Europe. So um, some of our uh, European offices are are helping them get up and running over there. Nice. So um, you know we've had a, a, a number of uh, different uh, uh, guests on the show talking about the QSR category that have been really fun, but I'd love to get your sort of take on it. On uh, on what what do you see is uh, is happening in the category today? What's sort of notable? What are some of the things that are that are happening that are affecting marketers in the space? Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, I I've seen a stat just recently that I think uh, something around the lines of eighty percent of Americans eat in the fast food category once a month. So um, as you can imagine, there's not a lot of uh, not a high number of additional people getting into the category, um, but competition is increasing. People are expanding their restaurant footprints, new entrants. Um, really, it's created a sea of sameness out there. There's so many choices for consumers today um, that a lot of the marketing messages become overwhelming and become white noise from, you know, from traditional QSR to now convenience stores um, to even some of the, the fast casuals. We're all kind yeah. of competing for the same dollar and, and in a more or less slightly growing, slightly declining, zero growth category, we're really um, just fighting to trade customers and keep one extra visit from going somewhere else. So in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the fast food space, particularly in the burgers and fries and sandwiches, which I kind of think about as being the space that, that you guys would be in and McDonald's would be in, Burger King would be in, is there, is there loyalty to any particular one of those or do you find that a wendy's customer is also going to a mcdonald's customer going to mcdonald's and eating etc uh there is a very small sliver of loyalty um but for the most part we we trade customers um it's it's too easy and so much of fast food is predicated on convenience you know um when the consumer mindset is essentially all fast food is the same. Certainly the, the burger and fry category, they think, we, they think we're all basically the same. Their favorite restaurant of the day is the one that's on the right turn versus the left turn or the one that they're passing. So um, it really becomes a challenge to get people to drive past somebody else to find your restaurant. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And I, but I also kind of think that there's got to be a, at least a, from a consumer's perspective, um, a perceived difference between between the brands. So, so what do you think is the perceived difference between a Wendy's and a McDonald's? Not necessarily what you want it to be, but what you think it might be from maybe some research that you do or, or things that you track. What, what is it that's the perceived difference between McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, for, for example? You know, we've heard in uh, focus groups that people will give us the credit for our food being a little better. Um, you know, they'll say that our food tastes better and that kind of stuff. We have, we've actually even sit in focus groups where um, I've had rounds of people say, you know, if McDonald's and Wendy's were right next to each other, I'd choose Wendy's every time. Um, so I think, I think we're generally viewed as a little bit better. In the fast food category, though, um, it's really incremental. You know, our fresh never frozen beef on every hamburger is different than, than the other guy's. At the price points, we're really talking about um, incremental differences that people either find compelling or they don't. How do you articulate the Wendy's brand positioning? 
so at the at the heart of it, so you know, go back to our positioning statement of we've got customers back where others have let them down, right? Where we essentially go with this is we think, um, you know, if you were to invite people over to your house, you would probably serve hamburgers that you made fresh, fresh beef. You probably wouldn't spend a lot of time thawing beef and, and serving that. You'd want it to be fresh. You'd want it to be as high quality as, as um, you could make it. And so one of the areas where we think traditional fast food is letting America down is they're serving frozen beef as opposed to giving them the fresh that they deserve. So when we talk about fresh, never frozen beef or, or why fresh beef is important, it's because that's what you would do. Um, and that's, what, that's a differentiator for Wendy's. And it's also where we believe the category is letting you down. So is, is, when you look at other chains that have come out, smaller, far smaller chains, the regional, when you look at five guys and you look at In-N-Out, for example, they're, yes, they're, they're your, they can be competitors for you guys locally, but they're not nationally. So while five guys in In-N-Out use fresh meat, the national mm-hmm. players you're up against, McDonald's and uh, Burger King, um, mm-hmm. they're, they're the ones that you're really talking, you're really competing against nationally. And, and is, that where, is that how it all makes sense in terms of the fr- fresh versus frozen? Or yeah. Am I getting that yeah. Wrong? When we, no, no, you're right. When we talk about um, when we talk about fresh versus frozen, um, it's primarily when we when we say the other guys haven't done it. It's primarily the major competitors, um, McDonald's and Wendy, McDonald's and uh, Burger King. Nice. So you know now McDonald now McDonald's has has launched it on their quarter pounder platform, but you know their their Big Mac, their cheeseburgers, all those types of things are still frozen beef, and we do it on every hamburger every day. Yeah, I remember. I remember the uh, looking at old work for Wendy's. Of course, there's the classic uh, "Where's the beef?" right mm-hmm. from way back in the day. And then, of course, you guys also had Dave Thomas, who, ironically, I once met when I was having breakfast at a hotel in Pittsburgh, and he was sitting at the table. And this is a while back. Obviously, the man has died many years ago, but uh, he was sitting at the table next to me. And you know, he obviously was a character that was that was the manifestation of Wendy's. And then, of course, I think you guys also brought back Wendy, her, herself as a character. It wasn't really the daughter, was, or it was the daughter, was it? Well, yeah, there, uh, so there were, there were two pieces that um, kind of get meshed together. Wendy Thomas herself, the actual Wendy, um, was in some advertising, and it was primarily uh, corporate responsibility, those types of things. Um, fast forward a little bit to we had this woman that they affectionately called Red. Um, and yeah. she did she did the campaign there for for two or three years. She was not related to Wendy. She was just kind of a Wendy stand-in. Right. She had sort of those those exaggerated uh, uh, freckles on her face. I think yeah. if I remember it right. Yeah. yeah. But it seems like for you guys, you've you've and more recently, you've been uh, using that distinction of fresh, never frozen, as almost the the cornerstone of a lot of your marketing efforts at least from the burger side of the business. Is that fair to say? And it's become sort of underpinning most of what you guys have been doing maybe in 2018, 2019? Yeah, I think it is. You know, they used to be, back in the day, Wendy's was all about fresh, never frozen beef. And you pretty much didn't see a hamburger spot from Wendy's that didn't talk about it. And then, you know, I think, and I don't know because this was before my time, so I'm only only guessing. I think 
you know, clients and agencies get tired of things before the consumer does, or they, or they think they're worn out and maybe they're not. And so, so Wendy's kind of quit making that a point of, of difference. Um, and so we, we started to see, you know, our, our awareness of fresh, never frozen beef when we got on the business about eight years ago was, was below 20%. And really that's all we'd done since day one. And so, uh, we all kind of decided that it was a, it was a point of difference. We needed to hammer it. We got the number back up. Our quality scores started to go back up. Um, it, it really, it really does make a difference for us. And I think, I think you've seen, uh, you know, in the, in the McDonald's work, when they started to make a big deal out of their fresh beef quarter pounder, um, they really hammered it because, because people don't want to fundamentally pay people to thaw their beef. So was there, I know when we talked, uh, we, we talked KFC in a different episode and, uh, and we've, we've talked with Burger King in the past. So I particularly with KFC, there was this, because there was the Colonel, Colonel Sanders, who was a real person, not a character in the same way that Dave Thomas has been. They, it, with KFC, they sort of mined that history and where the Colonel came from to sort of inform what they do. And so I'm, so I'm wondering with, with Dave Thomas, is there that sort of rich heritage or set of principles or values that still drives the business today or, or have you guys sort of moved beyond that? No, there, there really are. Um, there, you know, a lot of our franchise community, um, some of the people that we deal with, on, maybe not on a regular basis, but we see fa- fairly frequently, frequently, um, some of them started as, you know, cooks for Dave or actually became franchisees when Dave was there. And so I, I tell you, our franchisees for the most part, um, still live Dave's way. I mean, that is just, uh, be nice, do right. That's, that's kind of the, the one thing that drives the business. That's what drove Dave and, and, his his uh, aura and and what he means to the brand and what he meant when he founded the brand they still exist today. Let me get your perspective of how you feel McDonald's is positioned. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think so. I uh, weirdly take a step back. My first job out of college was working on the uh, McDonald's business at Leo Burnett. Um, so way back in 1990, so that's how long it's been been for me. I, I think there was a time where McDonald's was positioned less about the food and more about being part of America. You know, it was um, McDonald's was Americana. They used to do I don't know if you remember way back uh, they did Perfect Season that Richard Dreyfuss voiced over, and they used to do all these amazing image spots and and the reason. People wanted kids wanted to go there for their birthday parties and that kind of stuff was because McDonald's was just part of daily life in America. When you saw what KFC did with the Colonel and sort of uh, the rebirth of the Colonel, I got to I got to guess there was. Uh, uh, well, let me ask you this: how did you, how did you guys react to it? You and the client react to that sort of uh, rebirth because you've got a, you've got a founder, not not much uh, not much different than the Colonel. Yeah. Well, you know, actually it's, it's interesting because Dave, um, came up in the business working for the Colonel. Um, so that's, that's where Dave actually came from. So I I guess they, they knew each other personally and, and Dave worked for him. You know, for us, I thought it was interesting, um, because, you know, I don't know if you, you think back to after Orville Redenbacher passed, they tried to bring him. Oh yeah. 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 And, and that, that was a, that was a, at least it seemed like a fiasco. I don't know if it was or not. And so 
there was a side of me that was kind of cringing and saying, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to work out or, or whatever, but they, they did it enough with a wink and a smile that I think America got on board with it. it it's not something we could do. Um, I don't think that's, you know, I don't think Dave would like it. I, I don't think um, our system would like it. It's just not who we are. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but for them, you know, it, it seemed to work. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the, uh, some of the work that you guys have been doing. And, and I, you know, part of our conversation today uh, is about, uh, well, I think the main thrust of our conversation today as it relates to the work is going to be around some of the social initiatives that you guys have been recognized for. And I think in, in particular, we're looking at sort of the, uh, the Fortnite integration that you guys did. And I don't, know where, I don't know where it's best to start because there's, there's at least three or four cool things that you guys have done in social and i don't know whether there was uh, there was some sort of progression to that or do we talk about this in a certain way or so i'll let you sort of start off with where we should begin with this and and in doing that i'm I'm really interested in sort of the genesis of this like thinking back to the time when you you guys and the client get together there's uh there's obviously either a challenge that's put in front of you and i'd love to hear you talk about um, in this, in as great detail as you can, the challenge that was put in front of you that ultimately led to what has become these sort of social initiatives. When we, when we first got the business, uh, the ask was really pretty simple. Um, our client in one of our very first sit downs onboarding said, I'm hiring you to help America fall in love with Wendy's again. That was it. Help America fall in love with Wendy's again. Eventually, we're moving toward remind people why they love Wendy's and that kind of stuff. But it was so it was so amazing that instead of all these different aspects of the brand, this is what we need to do, this is what we need to do, all that kind of stuff, he kind of left it open and just said, help America fall in love with Wendy's again. Had America fallen out of love with Wendy's and had this sort of, did it no longer have that human persona that you wanted it to have? Yeah, I, I don't know that they fell, they fell out of love necessarily. What would happen, um, again, if you go back to maybe some of, the, some of the early focus groups, what we were finding, which was um, kind of a blessing and a challenge at the same time, people would readily say, oh, Wendy's, they'd find out, you know, you always save it till the end of, of what, what brand is doing a focus group, right? And yeah. people would hear at the end that, that Wendy's was the one that was doing the focus group. And, and almost universally, people would say, oh, Wendy's, I love Wendy's. Well, how long has it been since you were there? I don't even remember the last time I went to Wendy's. So there was this latent kind of love maybe for, for Wendy's, but it wasn't compelling enough to get people to go. Um, they were being driven more by convenience and price than um, affinity, brand affinity per se. And so that was really it. It was just kind of going back and reconnecting with people. First off, we had so few followers that we could treat everybody as an individual. You sent us a question, we could, we could answer <laughs> you directly. There weren't, there weren't that many people. You know, we went from, so again, go back to the client at the time. We had 180,000 fans and, and uh, he said, I, my goal, and this was in October, and he said, I want 2 million by January. Um, so we, we, we achieved that or we were close. We generated a bunch of interest in the brand and that kind of stuff, but it was still kind of a small number. It wasn't enough to mobilize and get any kind of scale. Um, but we were, we were still kind of treating everybody as if they were the most important person we were talking to at at any given moment. Right. So, um, fast forward a little bit to, uh, Carter Wilkerson, who, 
a high school kid out of Arizona sent a, sent a message one night, a big fan of spicy nuggets. And he just asked a simple question, how many retweets would I need to get in order to get a year's supply of spicy nugs? And kind of just on a whim, the person who was answering at the time said 18 million, which uh, is a one, a ridiculous number, and two, had never been achieved ever before, right? Yeah. Um, and so this little, this kid with moxie and all that kind of stuff, first off, we responded to him directly. And he said, consider it done. And then by the next morning, um, brands and celebrities and all that kind of different people are trying to get on board and help this kid get his spicy nugs, you know, and it just kind of snowballed and snowballed. And then Ellen got involved and um, it became this big thing. We didn't, we didn't spend any money on any of it. It became a total organic thing where everybody kind of got behind this kid. Um, and then at one point, I don't know if it still is or not, became the most retweeted tweet in the history of Twitter. Um, so that got us more exposure and the snowball kept growing. And then that allowed us to do other things. Um, so and, was it, there, it, and this was, this was which year was this for Nugs for oh, Carter, gee. roughly? Roughly. Nugs for Carter. Yeah, let, let's say it might have been between four and five years ago. Okay. So Nugs for Carter sort of caught fire. And, and I think what you guys did is, I think at that time, the most retweeted tweet had come from Ellen DeGeneres with that photograph she took, yeah. I think it was the Oscars, right? So, so she yeah, got the involved Oscars because he was sort of, he was, uh, however, did he, did, did, did you connect him and, and Ellen or did he just happen to do it through, through uh, the viral nature of, of tweets? Carter? No, so, in, so, in, so initially, so initially we reached out to Ellen and she said, you know what, I, I, I'm, I don't know that I want to get involved in this. Uh, plus, she was, she was vegan at the time. I'm not sure if she still is or not. So she was, you know, fundamentally, she was like, I, I, this is not something I want to get involved in. I'm like, cool. Um, and this thing kept growing. And then next thing you know, they're interested. Um, yeah. And so it just, you know, then Carter comes on her show and uh, it was really it was really um, an amazing thing to see how it could happen. So nugs for Carter that that lasts one maybe a couple couple of months or as in terms of yeah. the initiative couple of months. So then where do you, yeah. where do you guys go from there? You have, you have this amazing success. You got like a thousand eleven maybe close to eleven hundred stories written about it and, and earrings. Yeah. So so then what happened was we we started to develop a platform that helped give us you know a larger platform. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to one of our, one of our next big things, a competitive brand um, called us out in social to have a rap battle. You can say who it so, is, can't you? What, what's that? Who is it? Oh, was, yeah, uh, Wingstop. Okay. Wingstop. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they call us out um, to do a rap battle. And so they're... Why, why, did, why would they do that, by the way? I actually have no idea. I mean, it was kind of a, it was, it was kind of, a, it was kind of a surprise. I think, you know, what we've, what we found, and I, I say this not to, not to be arrogant or to chew our own horn or whatever, is we, Wendy's has almost become kind of a, a pseudo influencer. Um, you know, so we get, uh, Mr. Peanut wanted to get roasted by us one day on National Roast Day and all the, you know, Hooters wants to get roasted and all that kind of stuff. And so, so more and more brands are, kind of interacting with us in some regards to maybe 
draft office a little bit. Loon Pie got involved. Um, but yeah, so Wingstop called us out on a rap battle. And uh, so they went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And so at the end of this thing, um, one of the consumers, somebody responded and said, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. You ought to come out with an album. And we said, all right, why not? And uh, so some amazing producers out in Los Angeles contacted us and helped us put together um, the We Beefin EP that, uh, I mean, just took off. It, like when it, when it launched, it charted above, I mean, significant major performing acts um, that, were, that were on the charts at the time. Here's a sample from We Beefin by Six Course Productions. Them little tweets don't face me. Nope. McDonald's be so lazy. Wow. I know the reason you hate me, cause I'm fast food's first lady. It's Queen Wendy up in this thing. Y'all can't be the serving them things. Y'all too chicken for this beef. I'ma leave you resting in grease. Nuts for Carter, retweet. Boy, you know you can't compete. On top of our game and watch up. See, there's no stopping me. Flex. And one one yeah. of the things that that I loved about this was that um, when you listen to the lyrics, as I think it's five or four or five tracks that are on the EP, is mm -hmm. that is that uh, Wendy starts to get manifested as this Queen Wendy, fast food's first lady, yeah. right? And, right, right. And then there's these other sort of riffs that are going on, sort of which I think are kind of plays against McDonald's with sort of this sort of rest in Greece. Which is another, yeah. Uh, so there's definitely a little bit of a a uh, a, a smackdown happening within mm -hmm. this. So w were they written? Who who wrote and produced the tracks? So we worked with um, some producers and uh, artists in Los Angeles, and then our people helped with contributed lyrics and and offered input here and there and that kind of stuff and. But nice. the, but most of the production was done out there, and that and that's why the quality is. I mean, the quality's as good as you would find. In fact, you know, uh, if you if you look at some of the some of the videos and stuff around it, we actually had rappers and that kind of stuff talking about how how cool it was and how awesome it was, and so it, it really got some credibility. Uh, what is the strategy that this fits into? In that particular case, um, we viewed that as as an opportunity. You know that. Um, if you turn back the clock a little bit, you know how product placement used to be a, a big thing. You know, Seinfeld was famous for all the product placement and um, people would pay all this money to have product placement. And so this was a fun thing. And we were kind of testing this idea of essentially it's audio product, product placement. Um, that's, that's really what we were doing was could we create another means of communication of our points of difference and what made us different in a new and unique way that maybe somebody else couldn't do. Um, and that's, I'll tell you where it, where it all emanates from, which I think is, is the, is the key part. So we talked about 80% of America's in the category every month, right? Um, 70 something percent of all fast food decisions are made 10 minutes prior to the meal itself. So you, you, <laughs> Some, some people have, have these amazing um, customer journeys and all that kind of stuff because from research to consideration, all that kind of stuff. It may, basically, somebody decides 10 minutes before they go through the drive through where they're going to go. And so the, the, the interesting challenge in that is we've got to have tracks out there 
um, messaging out there that are impulse driven, like uh, the four for four when we launched it or America's favorite breakfast or whatever, those things that, that get you interested. But we've also got to lay this um, long-term branding top of mind awareness thing on people. And so a lot of these things that we're doing, like we beefing or Fortnite or some of these other things are just really trying to get into that top three in the last 10 minutes. Let's talk about um, what comes next. Is, is, is Fortnite next? You know, what we found from, from We Beefin was that we, we could actually do things that also were laser focused on, on what the brand needed to comp- accomplish from a differenti- differentiation standpoint. So then you fast forward. And so, so Fortnite um, was interesting because if you, um, I don't know if you're a Fortnite person, I'm, I'm not necessarily a Fortnite person. So My I'll, kids I'll give you, are I'll Fortnite give you, girls. Yeah. So, so I'll give it, I'll give it to you in, in broad strokes. They were, they were having, um, essentially this food battle between team pizza and team burger. Right. And the key piece of that was everybody just expected that we would join team burger because obviously that's what Wendy's does. Um, but what we actually did was we didn't join team burger because, um, they served frozen beef. And so we spent hours just destroying freezers and then People started streaming um, live, watching us do that. And then other gamers started coming and destroying freezers. And that's all we did, just over and over and over again. People stopped killing each other, and they started destroying these freezers. Um, and then at the end of it, it was such a, it was such kind of a big thing that, that the developers at Fortnite actually removed the freezers from the, from the hamburger restaurant. So it was kind of fun. Let's now talk Fortnite, shall we? It's the newest video game craze spreading fast among kids, college kids, even celebrities. Kids are nuts for this Fortnite. Fortnite has taken over the gaming world, becoming the most streamed game on Twitch ever. But brands are left out of the action, either tweeting from the sidelines or paying big bucks for in-game sponsorships. So when Fortnite announced a new event called Food Fight between Team Pizza and Team Burger, Wendy saw an organic way in. We found out Team Burger stored their beef in freezers. And Wendy's doesn't do frozen beef. So we got on Twitch, chose a character with red hair and pigtails, dropped into the game, and instead of killing other players, we started destroying burger freezers. Again, and again, and again for nine hours straight. We also declared our mission on Twitter, sending hundreds of thousands of gamers to Twitch to watch us play. And soon other players stopped killing each other and started killing burger freezers with us. Hi, Wendy's, dude, let's go! Top Twitch streamers took notice. I saw a Wendy's stream over here, dude. Oh, he was smacking the Derbers freezers. This shit's lit. This kind of stuff keeps the game fresh. Thank you so much for coming to the stream, Wendy. I think a lot of the brands stayed on the outside and were just kind of cheering or declaring for one or the other. Got I it. think we were one of the only, if not the only brand that actually developed a character that looked like Wendy and actually went in and played. And I think that was the, that was really the cool thing is, you know, we talk about being human and that kind of stuff. We actually went into the game and played. We didn't sponsor. We didn't have a skin. We didn't do all the things that advertisers and brands tend to do in games like that to try to ingratiate themselves with gamers. We actually became a gamer. What was the strategic goal within Fortnite? Or what was the, the cultural play that was uh, at, at, at work? Uh, that at the end of the day, Wendy's is absolutely anti-frozen beef. 
that's to me that's the beauty and the simplicity of what happened in Fortnite was the entire focus was we abhor frozen beef to the point that we are going to spend hours destroying freezers that house it. Right, right. So that's really the spirit of the brand, at least in terms of a core message. It's sort of leaning in on the idea of fresh versus frozen, right? Correct. So, you know, if you go back to um, the We Beef and EP, you start to listen to those lyrics. You can hear in those lyrics where we think the category is letting you down. Um, nice. And everything we're doing is talking about the things that make us different and, and how we're there for you um, when somebody else has disappointed you. So Fortnite kills it at Con, and then there was 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 uh, was Feast of Legends. Did that follow on the heels of Fortnite? Yeah. So Feast of Legends is our newest one. It hasn't. Um, it hasn't. Uh, we haven't entered it yet. It's going to be entered in this cycle. So, so what what has happened? Our guys are really good. Um, we're collectively monitoring what people are doing and how they're doing it. We try not to interrupt them. We try to join them. And so there's been like this huge resurgence of Dungeons and Dragons and these, these um, analog games that people can sit around the table and play together, whether it's uh, whatever, Magic or some of these other games that I'm not, I'm not necessarily involved with. And so um, our guys sit down and said, okay, what if we took, what if we took our fresh messaging or anti-frozen beef messaging and all that kind of stuff and we developed a um, tabletop? game just like similar to what we did with Fortnite, and we and we took our messaging to this tabletop tabletop arena and um it was incredible the the way that it was welcomed and the way people have played it and you know our guys everything that book was designed written by people on our team who are i affectionately call them D &D nerds so it is it is a serious (laughs) It is a serious game with serious rules and, and all that kind of stuff. And so we just keep looking for new ways to take um, our core messaging to different groups of people. So, so tell us a little bit more about, how, you know, about what it is. So it's a book that, that turns into a tabletop game. And do you, did you get it through the store when you, was it sort of a giveaway or did you get it online or how did you get access to it? Yeah. So we, um, we've distributed some through, um, uh, through comic-con and places like that you can people can get on feastoflegends.com and download download the booklet right now i mean if they wanted to take a few minutes after this podcast um <laughs> they could they, they could download it and play with friends or their kids could play with it right now online gaming is still huge there's no debating that but then there's also this this growing aspect that um, while you can connect virtually with people on Twitch and some of these streams, there's nothing that kind of replaces family game night or whatever, sitting around the table and yeah. actually being there with other humans. And so this tabletop game allows people to um, sit around, hopefully have Wendy's and play this game together. To me, it, it really taps into to who Wendy's is and and why we existed. You know, um, I you know I hate to keep going back to the very beginning, but you know, part of part of the reason Wendy's was founded in the first place was um, Dave remembered growing up as a kid and having family time inside a restaurant, and that was important to him. And so, the restaurant business was his way of providing families a place to connect over a good meal. And we still we still try to do things like that today. We we've hosted um, Beast of Legends game nights inside some of our restaurants. It's um, it's all about bringing people together. 
we're now in the first half of 2020. Where, where are you guys heading? So we are still, um, we still need to, if I'm, if, you know, if I'm looking at it objectively, we still need to make sure, um, that we're bringing, we got you and we've got your back to life in meaningful ways. So, um, I think that conversation being human and how we do it and, and that we've got your back is going to stay. Um, I think we're evolving. We're becoming a little, what we found is, you know, what, what drives our business is our food. So we're going to continue to be, to be food forward. Um, not going to do, you know, it's really fun. A lot of brands write what I would call 32nd Saturday night live skits that feature food. That's not who we are. We're going to be food forward. Um, you can see that in our breakfast work, our America's favorite breakfast work. Um, I think we're just going to keep evolving to stay in touch with the American consumer and what's important to them and making sure that our points of difference are, are clear and apparent. Would you guys ever get involved with, uh, with social issues? Is there sort of a purpose element that's an extension of what you guys are doing? Uh, there is, there's, um, so one of the things that's, that's very important to us, uh, so shameless plug here for a second is, uh, the Dave Thomas foundation for adoption, the DTFA. And so, um, Wendy's is really involved in, um, trying to get foster kids, uh, placed into homes. And, you know, they, they really focus on those kids that are at risk, you know, so some kids have, get to a point to where they kind of age out of the system. And so they, they may really have never had a family. Um, and family is what drives the Wendy's business. It's why Dave named it after his daughter. Um, so our big social involvement is with uh, adoption and the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. Very cool, man. I kind of see where it's all coming together for sure. So, just one or two final things before we wrap up. I'd love to know, you've been in the business since the beginning. Um, what have you sort of learned from this, this series of, uh, or let's just talk about the brand overall. What have you learned from working on the brand that's either you know, surprised you or challenged you or, or irritated you over the years? I think the challenging part is that that constant churn, you know, that 10 minutes, that 10 minutes, it's like, um, it's very hard to get people to drive past a fast food restaurant that's next on their right. You know, people don't drive past very often. And so it's a, even though we're better and people may believe we're better, trying to give them that encouragement to drive past the nearest fast food restaurant to find us is, is always going to be a challenge and, and sometimes frustrating. Brett Smith, Managing Director of Strategy for VML YNR. Great to have you on the episode, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much, Fergus. This was a lot of fun. And we'll see everybody on the next episode.